Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Amen. Book of Mark. So it's good. So uh, there's a fellow owned a zoo. It was a good zoo, big zoo. They had all kinds of animals at the zoo, animals from all over the place. And it was a really, you know, understood as a very diverse zoo that had so many, you know, animals and different backgrounds. So all of a sudden, the one day, sadly, the gorilla died. The gorilla died. It was the only gorilla they had. And they said, man, that's one of the things that we really pride ourselves on is that we got a real diverse group of animals here. And so the owner decided to hire a guy and get a gorilla suit. So he said, you know what, just for a while till we get a new gorilla, let's just hire a guy, get the gorilla suit, and we'll put him in there, and we'll pay him to jump around and do some gorilla stuff. So they found a guy, and the guy said, hey, yeah, no problem, I'll do it. So, so they put him in the, the gorilla exhibit, and there he was, and people were coming, and he's like, I'm not sure what to do, but he saw people, and he realized, uh, the more I jump around and do funny stuff, the more, the more animated the people are. See, so he really got into entertaining them, and he's jumping around, doing all kinds of funny things, and all of a sudden, one time, he jumped around, and he hit his head fell backwards and boom all of a sudden when he opened his eyes he was in the lion exhibit he's looking out and all of a sudden ah oh no and the lion came over and said shh shut up you idiot we'll all lose our jobs because the lion was also in a thank you so we, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about pretending. We're going to talk about hypocrisy. We're going to talk about some Pharisees. Because when you're reading the Gospel of Mark, uh, one thing you're going to see over and over again is Jesus was constantly colliding in this story. There were some villains in this story. There were some evil, obstinate people who always stood against what Jesus is doing. I mean, if you took out all of Jesus fighting with the Pharisees, you'd have nothing less but miracles. So you can remove all of that from the gospel. So if you're reading this as a story, as a narrative, which it is, it's the good news about Jesus Christ, you would find out all the characters of the story. And one of the characters that played a major role is this group of people called the Pharisees. So we had a great start. We did chapter one last week, and it said the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. I mean, change your mind in light of this good news. Just say, hey, yes, thank you. I'll have some. Jesus came and brought good news. I mean, he, was, he came on the scene. John the Baptist announced him. He was driven into the wilderness. He came back, started preaching, setting people free. I mean, it was a race. Mark 1 27. I love this in the messages. People were saying, what's going on here? I mean, what is going on here? Listen to this. What's going on? It's a new teaching that does what it says. <laughs> wow. Some guy is teaching and we're listening to somebody and his message actually works. What he's sharing actually is having an impact. We've been listening to the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these people and they're teaching and all we're trying to follow their teachings, trying to do, but it doesn't work. There's no joy. There's no inner formation. They keep on ramming the law on us and making more rules and more rules to protect us from breaking those rules, putting a firewall of rules around the rules so we don't get close to breaking the rules and 
all we got is rules, 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 and none of it works. There's no manifestation of God. I feel no closer to God. In fact, I feel further away. I feel like a broken mess. The teaching doesn't work. What's with this new teaching? I mean, this new teaching talks about it's not me trying to get close to God. It's God moved into my neighborhood. God came very close. God is within my reach, and he loves me, and he cares for me. And wow, look, at there's a manifestation of his presence, of his joy. There's healing. There's freedom. There's forgiveness. Woo! Sadly, in the world today, in a lot of places, that would be a new teaching. Because in so many places, they're still teaching behavior modification courses. Jesus didn't come to modify your behavior. He came so that you could be born again. He came so that you could be transformed from the inside out. And you could be free from performance religion and brought into the kingdom of God. So some observations. We're looking at the first, uh, second, third part of the fourth chapter, just going through that. But Jesus comes on the scene. He starts to demonstrate his kingdom. We see he doesn't just talk about it. You'll see that it's what he talked about and what he did. What he did and what he said. And sadly, too often now, we just have stuff that we're saying, but nothing gets done. But Jesus did stuff. There was a manifestation that went along with his word. And I love as Cheryl and Zach both said, you know, here's, here's a word. You ready? The guy said nothing. He did nothing. All he did was lay on a mat. He lands in front of Jesus and Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven you. I mean, that is really good news, isn't it? You know, man, you got to wake up every day and realize your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Your sins, you're not in a sin-conscious relationship with God anymore. You're in a relationship where he's your father, and he's not analyzing your life anymore because the righteousness he requires is his righteousness, and he's given it to you as a gift. So anything I need to be in a relationship with God, he provided, he initiated, he supplied it, he supports it, he fulfills it from the beginning to the end. That's good news. It's not about me every day going, I'm trying to get closer. I'm trying to be more pleasing. I'm trying to be more acceptable to you every day. See, that was the message of the law. But the message of good news of the gospel is, I've removed every obstacle in the relationship. You're my child. And it's not based on performance. It's based on sonship. It's based on identity. It's based on a new birth in Christ. Thank you very much there. That was a amen. Amen. So there's, there's, there's this whole new manifestation of the kingdom. So there's forgiveness. Next thing, there's fulfillment. I mean, he comes and he says, look, I came, I came here to, to call sinners, not call the religious. He said, I didn't come here to, to argue with religious or call, hey, hey, I'm trying to find some perfect people. He said, no, I came to call sinners, not the religious. He said, I came to bring joy, not sadness. I came to bring joy. They said, what are you doing? Everybody's so happy around you. I mean, he says, he says, the bridegroom's here. It's not time to be sad. It's time to be full of joy. Jesus came to bring joy, not sadness. Jesus came to bring the new and not to patch up the old. Jesus said, there's something brand new on the scene. I haven't come to patch up the old. The old would never, ever work. I have come to do something brand new. I've come to establish a new covenant. I've come to do something that's wonderful and new. You can't put new wine in an old wineskin. Because if you do, the old thing's going to burst. So if you you're trying to put the new wine in an old religious construct, you're never going to be satisfied and it's going to blow up in your face. There's a lot of tra people trying to embrace a fresh move of the spirit and yet still perform their religious constructs and it's never ever going to be fulfillment or bring you joy. But Jesus came to bring freedom as well. He came to deliver, deliver us from the tyranny of religion and to deliver people from demons. You ever seen so many people getting free from the devil? 
I mean, boom, he came up for this reason. Was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil? Jesus came, he did it, he confronted the religious devils, he confronted devils of affliction, and he cast it all out, and he brought freedom. So there's forgiveness, there's fulfillment, and there's freedom in Jesus. But you know what? You would think that the religious elites, that they would have said, woohoo, everything we've been longing for is finally here. Oh, joy, oh, bliss. Everything we've been hoping for has come. But no, the religious elites of the day, the religious leaders of the day, they got incredibly angry about what Jesus was doing because he didn't fit their little box. And that's why he said, if you're going to embrace this new revelation and this new wine of the Spirit, you're going to need a new box. The old one will be unable to contain it. But there's a lot of people today still living out of an old covenant mindset. They're, they're embracing a new covenant reality, but still trying to bring mixture of old covenant stuff. And that'll just make you sad, hopeless, and desperate. Can I get an amen from the back row? Come on. So this, the whole gospel was good news. A massive transition is ready to take place. So a Pharisee, what's a Pharisee? We see the Pharisees are always there. They're always watching. They're always complaining. They're always arguing. A Pharisee is a separated one. The Pharisee was a governing social political party that came into power after their return to captivity. But they absolutely, totally opposed Jesus' ministry. Now, the Pharisees uh, were a group of people who were developed after they came back from captivity. And they went into captivity because they disobeyed all of God's laws and, and weren't who they were supposed to be. So they said, if we got sent into captivity for not obeying the laws, we're going to create a group of people who really, really make sure we keep the law this time. So they didn't just keep the law, but they added to the law. They added hundreds and hundreds of extra laws on top of the law so that, so that we don't get close to breaking the law. Let's build a firewall of rules around the law so that we won't even get close to breaking the law and their intentions were good their intentions are we're going to be so pleasing to God he'll never be disappointed in us again so we're not just going to keep the rules we're going to keep all kinds of new rules but here's the truth when Jesus looked at him he said you might look all good on the outside but the inside you're dead you're like a tomb of snakes and vipers because you can never have a relationship with God based on your performance or good rule keeping Good people cannot have a relationship with God. The only people that have a relationship with God are redeemed people, people who honor Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. The only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. The only righteousness that you can stand in the presence of God with is his righteousness. Therefore, you got to humble yourself and say, I can't do a thing, but you can do everything. And thank God it's all a gift to me. I embrace it. And your only response is, thank you. Wowzers. That's the good news, but the religious people can't handle that. There are people in churches today, what I just said, they can't handle. What I just said, in their heads, the brakes go on. They go, no, there's still, you got to do stuff though, right? And they still believe, yeah, yeah, but you still got to do the stuff. You don't have to do a thing. He did everything. You just embrace him. And trust me, if you have trust and faith, what you have embraced is the spirit of God himself, and he will work in you everything necessary for you to manifest all that is good. It has nothing to do with you. You are not the source in any way of the goodness of God. You can no way make yourself pleasing to God. But religion says you got to do better. Don't you want to be pleasing to God? Yes, I do then we should embrace the only means possible for being pleasing to God, the righteousness of Christ, which is a gift by faith and faith alone. 
Are you serious about good behavior? Then you better be serious about the grace of God because that is the only way to achieve it. Any other way is climbing over the wall. Any other way is unacceptable. Any other way, you're a thief and a robber because Jesus is the door. Jesus is the gate. The only way in. I'm glad it's so simple. It's him. He's the door. You can't come in any other way. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Hallelujah. I can do that. I'm simple enough to believe that. But let's get back to the Pharisees. Today we might say Pharisee. Oh, that's a, that's a bad word. Oh, you, you're Pharisaical or blah, blah, blah. But you know, in their day, in their culture, if we were watching the drama unfold, we would have thought, them Pharisees are some pretty good fellas. The Pharisees, nobody held up church like they did. Whenever the doors were open, they were there. They were religious in their tithing. They would go out to their garden. If they had 10 leaves of mint, they would pluck one off and, and bring it to the synagogue. I mean, these guys tithe. They were, they were the big supporters of the synagogue, big supporters of the church. They, when their kids, when your child was about two years old, you know what they did? They took the Torah. They took the scroll of the Torah. They took the law. And you know what they would do? They would soak it with honey, not for the girls, because the girls are unimportant in their culture. Girls didn't matter. But the young boys, two years old, they would soak the Torah with honey and they would give it to the children. And they did that on purpose so that they would gain this appetite for the word of God. And they thought, I'm going to give them the word, soak it with honey so they'll become accustomed to the scroll. They'll want the scroll. And, and they did, did that. They really did. They would soak it with honey so that these two-year-old kids would be licking the word of God. It was honey to my mouth. That's what they did. By, at age four, they started memorizing the scripture and they started with the book of Leviticus. Can you believe it? How many know at least one verse from the book of Leviticus? They, it was the first book a Pharisee memorized. And then by the time he was 12, the whole Torah, he knew the whole Torah, the first five books of the, of the Pentateuch, he knew, he knew those first five books, and he knew them so off by heart, he could be questioned and interrogated by, by a chief priest on it, and he would know it wrote, he would know it off by heart, and he'd be able to defend it, every bit of it. Not just know it, memorize it, but to argue about it and talk about it and honor it in every way. And then as they got older, they would memorize all the prophets and all the book of Psalms and significant teachings from their rabbis. They were people of the word of God. I mean, if they were around today, I'd want 45 of them in the front row because they were amazing. You'd never see any people of the word of prayer of prayer. I mean, when it was prayer time, it didn't matter where they were. They would turn and they would pray out loud. They'd stand up and they'd pray for a long time. They fasted twice, at least twice a week, two days a week. They fasted. They fasted. They prayed. They gave. They understood the scripture inside and out. They attended every time the doors were open. They were evangelists. They went all through the world. And you see, when Jesus said, take my yoke, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. My yoke, come, you are fed up with religion. You're burned out. The message says, you're burned out on religion. Come to me. And I, my yoke is easy. Because the message of the, of the Pharisee and the Judaizers was, come and be yoked to the law. Come and become one with the law. So Jesus, it was a war cry. He was spitting in the face of every Pharisee when he said, come to me if you're burned out on their nasty religion. Come to me. You're not going to be yoked with the law. You're going to be yoked with me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come and learn of me. Come and look at me. Come and live. But you see, most of our gospel today is more pharisaical than it really is good news gospel. 
And we got way more performance religion even today. You'd say today, oh, those terrible Pharisees, they were awesome. I mean, they were incredible. They were so diligent in their faith. The apostle Paul said, there was no Pharisee like me. I was the best Pharisee ever. If there was ever a Pharisee, I was a Pharisee. And that's why when he came to Christ, he knew how disgusting and evil and reproachful it was to be drunk on Pharisaical performance religion. Wow. Wow. Pharisee means separated one. And you see, you come to some churches, we got to separate ourselves from the world, brother. We got to set ourselves apart. We got to prove we're different. We're unique. You know, come over to our group. We're special. Join our club. I drew a circle right here and I only hang out with anybody who can make it in my circle. You got to be holy to hang out with me. You got to have obeyed all the rules and fulfilled all. You got to choose to yoke yourself. And they would go throughout the world saying, come be yoked to the law. They were incredible evangelists. So these guys were excellent at religious performance. And today we would probably think they'd be some really, really good church members. How are you? Good. We're talking about the Pharisees. You know, have you ever imagined me going, taking the family to a restaurant and they pass me the menu and I say, oh, this is the menu. I've memorized almost all of it. Let me discuss with you lamb chops today. The lamb chops are prime lamb chops. They are cut and seared, but the bone's still hanging out. They are taken, and they are done medium rare. Never really fully done, but beautifully done. And they're covered with a beautiful mint sauce. And it comes along with some scalloped potatoes and your choice of vegetable. And then a Caesar salad on the side. Oh, it's so wonderful. Let's all talk about the lamb chops. Amen? Come, talk with me about lamb chops, lamb chops, lamb chops. Oh, wasn't that good? Let's, let's sing about the cheesecake. You ready? Cheesecake, you are so good. It's yummy, yummy, yummy in my tummy. Cheesecake, you are so good. It's yummy, yummy, yummy in my tummy. It's yummy, 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 yummy in my tummy. It's yummy, 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 yummy in my tummy. Woo! Cheesecake. Okay, kids, let's go. Let's let's go home. We had an encounter with the menu. We talked about it. We sang about it. But we never once asked somebody to go to the chef who created the menu and say, could we taste and see that the food is good? We got so much religious exercises going on, and the presence of God isn't even there. But we've had a wonderful encounter with the menu, and we're going to go our way. You've never really encountered the menu unless you interacted with a chef and said, I want to personally experience what you said in this book. And there's way too many of us that don't have a personal experience with what's going on in the word of God. And that's what the Pharisees were like. There was no formation. They didn't even understand where the thing was headed. The Pharisees, all right. But they took it seriously. They took it very, very seriously. And they were serious about behavior. Behavior. Matthew chapter 5, 20. Look what it says. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Hello, this is a big deal right here. I want you to pay attention now, all right? If you didn't pay your tithes, that's okay. You can at least pay attention right now. All right, Matthew 5, 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. I've just told you what their righteousness was. Now, Jesus is saying these people, are, love your teaching. You're so awesome. You're great. So Jesus then says to them, hey, I mean, the Pharisees may be annoying, but I'm telling you, if you want to get into the kingdom, your righteousness has to exceed theirs. You know, a lot of people probably would have shaken their head and gone, oh my goodness, 
Well, their teaching was so hard, and now he says that to be in his kingdom, we've got to do even better than them. You've got to do way better than them. In fact, you have to be perfect. Be holy as I am holy. It wasn't just try to honor a list of rules. It was literally in nature and in substance and all that you are, the very holiness that I require for you to be in my kingdom is my holiness. And what Jesus did is that he tried to get them to throw up their hands and say, mercy. I mean, if that's true, I need help. And that's really what the gospel is. To all the helpless, hopeless, and powerless who can't do a thing for yourself, good morning, all you lucky beggars. A relationship with God is a gift from God himself. And it's not something you can do. He does it all. He initiates it. He continues it. And he fulfills every single part of it. If you jump in in any way, that doesn't even register in eternity. Every single thing is just living out of a life flow and a relationship with God himself. And it's really, really good. How many want to still hang on to your rule keeping because you just have been doing it for so long? Let it go, sister. Let it go. Let it go. Because you know what? The only way to keep the rules is have the rule keeper in your heart and have God inside of you. And you know what? I am absolutely, totally complete in him, not in my ability to check my boxes. In fact, you'll never, ever really, truly check a box totally and be honest with yourself unless you really yield and give your life to Jesus. All right, so there it is. Your righteousness has to exceed that. Uh, you know, if you're a law keeper, you want to be a law keeper, you have to be honest if you're a law keeper. And if you're going to be honest, the law leads to one of two things. It either leads to hypocrisy, that you're pretending you're perfect, or it leads to absolute despair where you realize, I can't do it. You're one of two places if you want to be a law keeper. You're either a pretender and a faker, because you really can't do it, be honest with yourself, or you're somebody who finally admits, wow, the law is beating the snot out of me. I can't do it. Can I get an amen from the middle row? All right. This, these are the people, these are the folks that did not like Jesus' ministry because Jesus is straight up telling people, just come, just follow, just receive, just say thank you. I mean, the Jesus' message was way too simple for these guys who'd spent their whole life keeping the rules. And you know what's really bad when you spent the whole time keeping the rules is when somebody, have you ever been standing in line at a store, you're keeping the rules, you got your mask on, you're socially distancing and all that stuff, and then somebody just walks right into the store in front of you, hey! I've been here all morning keeping the rules and that person just walked in. See, that's Jesus. Come. The first will be last. The last will be first. And you know, that wrecks your head because we are so stuck on rule keeping. You cannot be a rule keeper and have a relationship with Jesus because you have to accept that he fulfilled all the rules. Paul in Galatians, Paul was an amazing rule keeper. In Galatians 3, 2 and 3, he said, I want to learn this from you. Did you receive the spirit by the work of the law? Did you receive the spirit through your own effort? Did you? Or was it a hearing of faith? He said, are you such an idiot? Are you so foolish? Are you such a moron? I know I've added a bit to it. That's what the word really means. Are you an idiot? Are you a fool? Literally, he means who, who did witchcraft on you that you thought that your life of going on in the spirit was through performance religion instead of the same way you got in? It's a gift of God. It's a gift at the start. It's a gift tomorrow. It's a gift every day and you receive it from him. And the only way to manifest his perfection is to let the power of the spirit of God flow in your life and manifest his goodness in and through you. And you got to get that obliterated. Paul, who says, I was the best fair 
heresy ever. And I'm telling you, it's dead. It does not work. Who bewitched you? Who fooled you? Who was the idiot who came on and turned you from the spirit back to trying to obey the law? Are you guys still here? All right, I'm coming to a rapid conclusion. Can you say rapid conclusion? Listen now, John 5, 46, he says to the Pharisees, they say, look, we, we, we understand Moses. We know the word. We understand the scriptures. He said, if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. See, the whole purpose of the word, everything, the word was written to bring you to Jesus. And if the word doesn't bring you to Jesus, I don't know what you're doing reading it. If the word takes you somewhere else or takes you into a, a, a legalism position, you're not seeing Jesus in the word because the word was written to show you Jesus. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, you think you're children of God. You think you're sons of Abraham and Moses. But I mean, if you really were, you would know me because it's all about me. Mark 8, 15. Then he charged them saying, take heed and beware. He charged them. He took them aside and said, I want you to make an oath. I'm charging you right now. I want you to make an oath. I want you to commit yourself to this. I charge you. Like if you're being charged with something, you're being told, I want you to take this up. I want it to become a part of your life. I am charging you with something. Jesus didn't say beware of a lot of people, but he charged his disciples to beware the leaven of the Pharisees. You know, you would think if Jesus is saying beware, if Jesus is saying there's something, I charge you to make sure you do not let this touch your life. Do not let this leaven of the Pharisees impact your life. I charge you. I'm trying to really emphasize this because it's really important. You're not going to find any other places where Jesus was so serious about something as this. So look what it says, Luke chapter 12, verse 1. He says again, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, but I like it when the Bible interprets the Bible. How many like it when the Bible interprets the Bible? Well, I like to think. Well, I appreciate that. But you know, what's the Bible say? A lot of times we get stuck in our own thoughts and our own belief system. How about having a biblical belief system? So what does the Bible say? Well, here's what the Bible, so we need to know the leaven of the Pharisees if we're told to beware and if we're told to avoid it at all costs and we're charged to do that, don't you think we better know what the leaven of the Pharisees is? Well, here's what the Bible says about the Bible. It says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Can you say hypocrisy? In the cage pretending to be a gorilla when you're really not. That works until the lions come. There's a lot of Christians doing their best to pretend I'm a good Christian. Trust me, pastor, I've had a good day. How's your marriage? Really good. How's things going with your inner world, you know? How you dealing with some of those problems you've been having, you know? Your computer sometimes goes the wrong place. How you doing with that? Oh, I'm good. How's things at work? Still praying for your boss? You hate him like you used to? Are you still saying, why the heck did I have children? Oh, no, my kids are great. Check my Facebook. Click, click. Facebook is the, is the, it's the founding of the biggest hypocrites in the world. Amen? How many of you ever put a picture on, here's how it looks while my wife and I are fighting? Click. Yeah. Here's my wife and I on the beach. Did you do one of those, Kevin? Did you good for you? See, you're not a hypocrite. But you know, Facebook is a breeding ground for hypocrisy. Because we only put our best events, right? We put our highlight reel on, hey! I mean, have you ever baked a cake and it's a total nightmare and they're going, hey, look at my cake. No, you wait till you have a fantastic one because only, you only want to see really good food shots on the, on the Facebook, right? But I mean, it's a breeding ground for hypocrisy. 
Everybody's got their highlight reels on there. And then I'm so sad because my life isn't perfect like them. I wish I was them. Why wasn't I born into their family? My world stinks. Trust me, if you don't have Jesus and you're not living out of his power and his source and everything looks lovely, you're a faker and a pretender. You know what? Why don't we come to churches and say, I'm struggling. I'm having a really hard time. How are you, brother? Oh, blessed. Hallelujah. Blessed to be a blessing. Praise Jesus. We're all good, you know. I can't stand my wife. I don't know what happened, but it's freaking me out. No, uh, check my Facebook. Our marriage is perfect. We can't do that because we're a bunch of Pharisees. We got to hide, 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 hide because we want to be a part of the holy club. You know, it's all right to say I'm having a hard time. Hey, anybody want to shout it out right now? Go ahead. I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time with what's going on right now. I'm freaked out about school. I don't know what's going on. You know, maybe you're not, but you know what? I don't want to present so perfect that somebody who is struggling thinks they need to fake it just to be in my circle. Let all the perfect people say amen. Amen. <laughs> you know what? Even if you're struggling, it doesn't change the fact that you're perfect. Even if you're struggling, it doesn't change the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Even if you're struggling, you're going through something real terrible, the worst thing you could do is hide. All right, thank you, Pastor. All right, I got to go quickly now. Say quickly, Pastor. So beware those guys. Beware those guys. You know what? How many went to the gym and you love the mirrors at the gym? I used to like it when I was younger. I go to the gym, love the mirrors. I quit the gym because of the mirrors. In fact, the gym called me and asked me, would you please be a member again? And I was like, why? Because we need somebody who can stand beside the people that are struggling and say, well, at least I'm not like him. <laughs> That's what the Pharisees did. They would stand there and pray. And they'd have somebody struggling, somebody calling out saying, I got struggles, I got problems. Jesus said, you got a guy with problems crying out to God. You got the Pharisee, thank you, God, that I'm not a Gentile or a dog or a woman. Yay. That's what they pray. But here's the person broken and messed up and just coming, God, help. And he says, who went home justified? The honest person. We got to get rid of performance in the body of Christ. Beware of the Pharisees and beware of their leaven. What is their leaven? Hypocrisy. Pretenders. Fakers. You know what kills people out there? Broken people. I get people say all the time, well, I'm not quite ready to come back to church. I've still got to work out a couple of things. Once I get a few things worked out, I can come. You know, if I came, I'm sure God would strike me dead at the door. Where do they get that nonsense from? You know where they get it from? They get it from the church. Because the church says, if you're going to join our club, you better be awesome. You better get your stuff together. Because we all got our stuff together. It's the fakers. It's the hypocrites. It's still studies everywhere. Why don't people go to church? Because of the people in the church. Even Gandhi said, I love your Jesus. It's his followers that are a bit annoying. But you know, Jesus' message was everybody, everybody down and out, miserable, fed up with the world, so sad about their own experience. They ran to Jesus, and what they found was acceptance. Can you say acceptance? I want you to feel accepted. You sound a little angry today, Pastor. I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at religion, because it doesn't breed acceptance. It breeds performance, and it breeds separation, and it breeds despair. 
All right, thank you, Pastor. Mark chapter three, verse one. We're gonna read this pretty quick. Mark chapter three, verse one. Here's where we are. And he entered into the synagogue and there was a man there with a withered hand. And the Pharisees set him up right at the door. Okay, quick, Jesus is coming. Come here, Bob, Bob, come here, come here. Hey, Jesus, nice to see you at the synagogue again today. Want you to meet Bob. Bob's had a terrible tragedy. Bob, show him your arm. You got injured there. Look at that. Oh, oh that's your bad. Just wanted to show you Bob. Bob. Bob, why don't you sit over beside Jesus? And oh, that's good. Thanks, Bob. And then what? They set this guy up, and they were trying to set Jesus up. They entered the synagogue, and a man who had a withered hand was there, so they watched him closely. They watched Jesus closely to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath or not so that they might accuse him. They watched him so that they could accuse him. You know, there were so many laws on the synagogue that if I was building a wall on Saturday... Well, Saturday was their Sabbath, but I'm building a wall on, on the day before the Sabbath, and on the Sabbath, the wall fell on top of me. My neighbors could come and remove the bricks just to see if I'm still alive. That's all they could do. If I was still alive, they may or may not help me. They may say, oh, you're not so bad. Your head's bleeding a little, broken leg. It looks like your ribs are all crushed, but you know what? After the Sabbath, we'll call the ambulance. Because we can't work on this. They would literally do that. You, there was only two times you could help somebody who was injured. If death was absolutely imminent, pregnant women could be helped have a baby. Or if you weren't quite sure if it was imminent, you need to do a bit more investigation. But even after a bit more investigation, if it wasn't something leading to death, you would just kind of maybe put a little Band-Aid on a massive wound and say, I hope you're still alive tomorrow. God bless you. I mean, they did so many creepy things. They added so many more rules to the synagogue. They turned the law into something that, that like God was some nasty ogre in the sky that, you better obey me. They turned in all the rules and stuff and the stuff that you got to do this or God won't be pleased with you. And they added so much more to it. And you weren't even allowed to heal on the Sabbath. And they knew they, Jesus did it. He was eating on the Sabbath, healing on the Sabbath. Oh, that's gonna, we're going to catch him. We're going to catch him right now. So they set Jesus up. So, and he said to the man who with the withered hand, he said, step forward. So Jesus took him on. said, let's do this. I mean, if this is going to be a setup, let's do it. I love that about Jesus, don't you? He doesn't avoid the struggle. He enters right into the middle of it. He says, get up here. Let's do it. He brings the guy right up to the front. says, all right. And then he says to them, he says to them, tell me. He said, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or evil? Let's just simplify this a whole lot, all right? You got all these crazy rules about how far I can walk, what I can cook, what I can't do, what I can eat, when I can eat. But let's just narrow it down to this. On the Sabbath, can you do good or evil? What is it? Can you do good or evil? Because he knew it was in their heart because they wanted to kill him. He knew it was in their heart. He said, tell me, is it lawful to save life or to kill? And you know what they said because they're so courageous? They said nothing. Nothing. And when he looked around at them with anger, er, he looked around at them and went, wow. Wow, wow, wow. He looked around at them with anger, being grieved at the hardness of their hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. You know what it's like to have a broken, withered hand and have somebody say, stretch it out? Uh, hello? <laughs> stretch out your hand. Here's a guy, he pulls out what he's been hiding in his cloak for all these years. He's pulling out his shame. He's going to pull out what's hindered him. They say, you must have deserved that. Now you can't even work for yourself or do nothing. Look at you. you you got to own that. And we do that today. You're sick? Well, I think you've been evil somehow. You know, I've heard that person's really not well. You know, they've not been a good Christian. 
know, I heard that they got some sin in their lives, and they probably deserve that. Jesus just said, hey, first day I met you, but God bless you. Stretch out your hand. Pull out your shame. Pull out your hurt. Pull out your wound. Pull out your disappointment, because today you're going to be made whole. Hey, this is all the gospel of Mark, all that fun stuff right there. He stretched out his hand, and it was restored as the other one. Then Jesus went out, and immediately they plotted with the Herodians, the Jews who propped up the King Herod as a puppet master king. They plotted with them to see how they might destroy him. So what's amazing is that Jesus doing all of this good stuff, some people were happy but the religious pharisaical people of the day, they did not like him. And you know something? I'm saddened today to say there's a lot of people who go to church, want to serve Jesus, say they love Jesus, but the minute you attack the law and the minute you say it's grace and faith alone, they just get ugly. They start to manifest because they don't even really fully understand the gospel. They've spent their whole life with all the additions and all the performance and that, you know, the way he keeps getting better, but it's not about that. I've got to get better. I got to get better every day. I want to get closer to you. You can't get closer to God. He rent the heavens and he came down and moved into the neighborhood and he said, the kingdom of God is right here. The only way you can get closer is in your head. You got to get rid of in your head everything that has distance or delay in it and blow it up because nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not even yourself. Not even your dumb thoughts or your stupid works. He's absolutely committed to you. He has bound himself to you. You didn't bring yourself in and you can't take yourself out. He is your God. He loves you and he's for you every single moment of the day. That's the good news. That's the good news. The good news, Jesus loves you. Come perform for him. Come and do pleasing acts to make him happy. Over here. He's nuts about you, not because you did a thing. You're forgiven, not because you did a thing. You just got dropped on the mat. Your sins are forgiven. You can't say that. You got to get ugly. You got to confess and get miserable. You got to feel like a dog. Then God will receive you. He just said your sins are forgiven. And that's exactly what the religious people said. You can't do that. I don't mind you healing people. They didn't mind. They brought the guy and they were okay with the guy getting healed on the Sabbath. They just wanted to see Jesus break the Sabbath rules. Hello. As you read these stories, look at those Pharisees and look what they're doing. And remember this. Don't be a hypocrite. Remember this, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. 1 John 4, verse 8. I'm jumping right to the bottom. 1 John 4, verse 8. Who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He who does not love has not kept all the commandments. No, he who does not love doesn't know God, for God is love. God doesn't have a bucket of water. God doesn't have love. He doesn't have, here, look, I have some love. God doesn't have some love. God is love. It's not like I have a bucket of water. I am water. I don't possess some. I am the very essence of it and all that it is. I don't have a bucket of love. I am love. You know, when you know God, you can love others and you can love yourself and you can do a lot of things. Just like last week we talked about, where did Jesus start his ministry? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And if you don't understand the well-pleasing principle of God Almighty on your identity, you'll never get anything done. And please, know your identity in him and do not 
Please beware, even today, the Pharisees are out there in abundance, and they want to lock you down into performance religion. And they'll give you the 25 steps to the 400 ways to get closer to God. You know what? God did it. He did every bit of it. God did it alone. The minute you add anything to it, you've got religion, and it's not him. Can I get an amen? Amen. Listen, he did it. I'm telling you right now. He did it all, and he covered it all for you. And he loves you. He's always been nuts about you. And even if you're struggling, even if your whole world is a mess, welcome to the house of God. Welcome to your eternal father. He's nuts about you, and he loves you. Come on home. Come on, stand up with me. Jesus. I titled this sermon, An Awkward Day at Church. Because trust me, that day for Jesus, it was pretty awkward. Sadly, today, the goodness of God being preached is awkward for people. But listen, he loves you. It's good news. The good news is, I couldn't keep the rules. I feel broken. I feel messed up. I feel like the standard is way too high. I can never have a relationship with God. He's perfect and I'm not. Well, here's the good news. His perfection, he doesn't just give it to you. He makes you perfect. It's not just a gift. I'll impute it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll lend you some righteousness for a few days. He doesn't just lend it to you. He makes you righteous. And the quality of it is his alone. Well, how do I get some? By faith alone. You get it by just believing. I believe that you are the only source of my righteousness. I believe that you are the only source of a relationship with you. It's not about me trying to reach you and build a bridge to you. It's that you have condescended and come so low, sent your only son so that I could be born anew, born into your kingdom forever. Just bow your heads. Everybody's praying. Even online, you're praying. Believers, you're praying. Somebody's going to watch this today. You're going to watch it tomorrow, the next day, whatever. You're going to watch this. You've been burned out in religion. Here's the war cry of Jesus. You ready? Come, everyone who's burned out in religion, just come to me. Take my yoke. Not the yoke of religion and the yoke of yaw keeping. Not that yoke, but my yoke. My yoke is easy and my burden is right. Come and learn of me. And it's just come. If you've never done that before and you've said, man, uh, this sounds like good news. I mean, I, I, I've been staring at me. I've been staring at me and my, my trying to make myself acceptable to God, but I could never do it. And I felt so broken all the time. Well, welcome. It's a gift of God. Forgiveness is a gift of God. Righteousness is a gift of God. Once and for all, united to him, and then nothing can separate you from the love of God. You just have to say, I receive you. I welcome you into my life. Just a simple act of faith. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. And if that's you and you want to do that today, you've never done that before, you say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. If that's you at three, just put your hand up. Even, even online, just say that. Yes, I want Jesus. If that's you, you ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up very high, very high so I can see it. Just say, I want Jesus. Anyone. If you've done it online, just say, thank you, Jesus. I receive you right now. I thank you that you did it all. You covered it from A to Z. And I thank you that I can be a child of God because it's a gift of God that you made a way for me that I could never make. And I receive you as the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for healing me, for forgiving me, for setting me free. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Now, we got prayer teams. There's two little yellow dots there and a yellow line there. If you need prayer in the house, stay behind. 
and you can come to the yellow line and somebody will pray for you. If you need prayer online, there's people online ready to pray for you. You just got to go to our website, to the all access pass. It's a red button. Press that red button and boom, you'll enter into a place where people can pray for you. So there's people ready to pray online. There's going to be people ready to pray here in the house. If you say, hey, I'm struggling, welcome home. If you've been a Pharisee, you're welcome too. If you want to get rid of some of that Pharisee behavior, I would just say, you know what? I'm going to stop that right now. I'm going to break my circle. And I'm going to say everybody is welcome. Everybody's welcome in my world. I want to touch as many as I possibly can with the goodness of God. I'm going to pray for you now and send you on your way. What a good looking group of people, huh? At least half your faces is good. I don't know if you're really smiling behind there or not. But it's so awesome to see you. What a weird time it is, eh? But, you know, we're coming through this. Going to be better than ever. I got to tell you, we did put an offer in on a piece of property, and it got turned down. So uh, we're uh, maybe we'll reinvestigate that one and do it again. But uh, keep praying for us. There's different options and things out there. Maybe what God wants for us hasn't popped up yet. He's keeping it just for us. But we're going to keep praying, keep doing it. But the end of April, we are going to be in a new home, and everything's going to be okay. God's leading us and guiding us. It's going to be real good. We want to sell this building because we believe we've fulfilled everything God wants us to do here. So we're selling this building. We believe God's taking us in a new direction, in a new way. So keep praying with us, believing for us, and uh, we're believing for a strategy to just flood southwestern Ontario with the good news. Can I get an amen? My wife's pointing at her watch. You know what that means? i got to pray for you and let you go. Well, Heavenly Father, we bless you. We love you. Uh, we just thank you for your goodness. Father, deliver us from a pharisaical spirit because it's a spirit. It's a full-on spirit. And it doesn't recognize Jesus. And Father, it doesn't care about other people. It doesn't love other people. It sees them as objects and props instead of people worthy of your love. Deliver us from that, Father, once and for all. You told us to beware of that. And you said it's hypocrisy. And I pray, Lord, that we would only be sincere. I pray that we would be people of absolute integrity. And I thank you that we can do that because it's your righteousness, your goodness, and your life that's in us. So I bless everyone here. I bless everyone online. I'll loose you and release you to just go right now. Church begins right now. Get out there and touch somebody with the love of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, you're blessed. Amen. God bless. Now, take your time going out. Don't rush on anybody. Lots of space. You have to go out that door over there, that exit. There's some hand sanitizer on the way out. But please just honor the space. Give everybody a good six feet. Honor some distancing. And take it easy, all right? Bless you. Love you. Have an awesome, awesome day.